Hey everyone, we're so glad to have you on The Full Life. Uh, today we're just really excited to have um, a new friend to the show, Luann Huska, who is a freelance writer and author, and we'll be talking about her book, Hurting Yet Whole. Uh, we look forward to this conversation to learn more about how we are whole, um, whether it's chronic pain or things that we struggle with. Um, so thanks for joining us and we look forward to having you. Welcome to another episode of The Full Life. As Hank said, we have a terrific guest and really, I think, a profound topic to talk about today. But before we get to that, we always start with an encouraging word for our viewers because we hope you're living a full day today, a fullness of life every day. And to help you with that, if you're not, Carolyn has a word today. So Carolyn, take it away. I just want to tell you that God is in control. And my scripture today is from Isaiah 41, 10. And it says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God and I will strengthen you. I will help you and I will uphold you. And I love that because what it means to me is he is going to supply your need. When you feel like you are down to nothing, you're right where God wants you because God is up to something. And I'm reminded in second Kings about Elisha and he went and he found the widow and there she was, you know, she was scared. She was overwhelmed. She was going, I can't pay my bills. How many of you can relate to that a little bit? She was going, I can't pay my bills. They've taken my husband. They're getting ready to take my children. What I'm going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I love what Eli uh, Elisha said to her. He said, what do you have left. I think the question for you today is what do you have left? God is not only the God of what you have, not only the God of what you lost, but he is the God of what you have left. And she says, well, all I have left is just a little bit of oil. He said, go get me your jars. He said, then I want you to go to all your neighbors and I want you to collect all the jars that they have and you bring it back and we're going to bless it. And he said, then you bring that little bit of oil out and he said, and we're just going to begin to pull. And as they begin to pour, they filled up one jar. They filled up a second jar. They filled up all the jars till there was no more jars. That's how God works. As he comes from where you don't even think it's going to come from. And then God will supply your need. She had enough after it was over to pay all of her bills. And he said, now live on what you have left. I'm here to tell you today that God is still in control and he is the God of what you have left. I don't know what's going on in your life, but today I want you to be encouraged that God is still in control and he is still bigger than anything you are facing. But what do you have left? You got to surrender it and you got to trust him. And I think that leads us perfectly into a discussion of becoming whole in, in some brokenness, in chronic pain. You know, I originally asked Luann to join us today because my godmother, who has had quite an impact on my life, is, is, has lupus and deals with chronic pain. And uh, I have to say, after reading the book, so many of the quotes uh, that, and, and stories that Luann was bringing up, I've heard. I've heard stories from the doctor. I've heard stories uh, that uh, I know we're going to touch some people's lives today. And I'm really excited about doing that. Uh, so let me bring Luann in and let me intro her. Luann Huska is a freelance writer and author. And her new book is Hurting Yet Whole, 
reconciling body and spirit in chronic pain and illness. So please welcome to the show, Luann Huska. Thank you for joining us, Luann. Uh, yes. And, and I, I'm just so prayerful and hopeful. And I really believe that we're gonna, you know, I, I, that we change people's lives, that we touch them in a different way that they haven't heard. And because I think you have just such a beautiful perspective on this in the book that I think will, mm -hmm. will lead to wholeness, which is the, yeah. which is the whole point yes. of the book. But before we get to the book, uh, I I did text you a couple of days ago, and I asked you because of recent events and certain mm -hmm. certainly headlines in the news, I felt I wouldn't be doing uh, you justice if I didn't um, didn't let you speak upon the issues going on in our country. Now, uh, mm -hmm. I think certainly everyone on this on this call would condemn racism in any form. What I have learned over the last year is I think part of the COVID was for us to sit in front of the TV and see this, you mm. know, at least that's how I'm taking it was that we saw George Floyd, we saw, you know, did, did I really realize how widespread, you know, Asian American racism was? I don't think I would necessarily have been aware of that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm so grateful in that we were stuck to our TV because we saw it mm -hmm. in a different way that I don't know if we would have seen it if we were not just sitting in our house, you know? So maybe right. it is, we have the opportunity to deal with it in a beautiful new way. And thank you God mm -hmm. for that. Thank you God for that awareness. But I always, I always find that it's helpful to do it on a personal level. So I'll ask mm -hmm. you your, your experience, your story. Um, have you experienced this in your own life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate you um, bringing it up because for a lot of um, Asian Americans that live in the United States, our experiences can feel sort of invisible and um, it can feel like, um, you know, like this past summer we've been lamenting and rightly so um, the discrimination and oppression that black Americans have experienced for so long that has been made visible. Um, so having um being kind of in the middle or like not exactly black or white um can feel like we're um not sure where to find ourselves or place ourselves in the conversation as asian americans so um so i grew up in um i was born in china and i was um raised in southern california and then i moved to southeast texas when i was 12 years old so I came to the faith in a Southern or in a non-denominational church, but ended up um, being discipled in a Southern Baptist church, which is the denomination that the, the killer of the, the eight victims of the Atlanta shootings um, came from. So, um, and I went through the whole um, purity culture uh, education and, um, you know, committed to abstinence before marriage. Um, my family was one of um, just a couple of Asian families in our all white town, mostly white town. So I've definitely known that feeling of um, being on the outside. I think I'm just sitting here thinking about you, Luann, is just saying how, what's your thoughts about as Christ followers in the church that we have to play in being a part of this healing and being a part of, of really bringing the message of Christ to all of this right now? 
Yeah, I think we can learn so much from what the model of life that Jesus lived in his example. And like you said, our life is not about comfort. Like he had all the privileges and he was he was entitled to them. Um, he was son of God, became like man and became a servant and emptied himself. The first thing that Jesus did was he entered in to the pain and he didn't um, he didn't paper over it and say like, you know, this is you're fine, or at least you have this or that. Um, you know, he was, he like looked people in the face and said, I see you and I hear you and I feel your pain and your pain matters to me and it it's important. And I, I want to um, honor um, what you're going through. So I think that's the first step is, is honoring the pain. And from there we can begin to um, invite God to do that healing work. How do we do that as a collective? Um, I think one of the, the tensions of church mm-hmm. is that we, more, I, I mean, especially nowadays, everyone will tell you it's not a building. Um, and for mm-hmm. me, it never was a building. So that's a useless conversation, right? Um, it's always been about people, you know, but then we um, tend, because we're Western, to look at stuff individually. Um, do you have any ideas um, about how communally we can enter in? or or any examples of of what that looks like? Yeah, I mean, just to go back to the conversation of Asian American racism in the church, I just wrote a little piece about what's the church, how is the church supposed to respond to that and learning some of the history. So our church um, read, uh, we did a book club for the women's, um, all the women in church to participate in on James Cone's um, The Cross and the Lynching Tree, which is a really powerful, theology of looking at lynching in um, in the South of, of black men and how that is such a, a poetic um, analogy to Christ being crucified on the cross. So entering in, I think requires um, as a collective requires some of this like learning of the history of like how, how we've been part of that history um, and and I think this is such a good time for it because a lot of us are, like you said, sitting on our couches and having more time on our hands, like pick up a book about that or, and and also I would say like, don't expect your, um, your friends of color to be your teachers. Cause I think a lot of us are really tired of doing that work and then doing lament and grieving um, the, the losses and the, the brokenness um, that, that we've, witnessed and i think that that there's so many ways we can do that i think we've lost a lot of um our ability to like, grieve as a society well thank you uh luann uh for commenting mm-hmm. on on recent events and i think it kind of re- it relates to the book in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because at the end of the day we're talking about different types of brokenness and seeing different types of brokenness whether it be mm-hmm. racism whether it be chronic pain uh, i agree with you mm-hmm. i think Jesus first saw you, and mm-hmm. uh, I, and it doesn't mean that's necessary. You're not gonna. See, he didn't ever invite people to necessarily stay where they were, but at first he says, mm-hmm. "I see what's going on with you," and I think mm-hmm. that is an excellent starting point for our next conversation about your book, "Hurting Yet Whole." Uh, and again, mm-hmm. like as I said, it deals with the reconciliation of body and spirit in chronic pain and illness. Well, a couple of things we've already said, which I think is so beautiful. You know, Carolyn, when you said we're not meant for comfort, um, 
And, and you talk a lot about in your book, Luann, the word tension, which also I believe Hank mentioned, and how we sort of, we should live in that mystery, that sort of tension of the different things that Jesus is fully whole, fully divine, and, and other tensions that are both true, but, mm -hmm. but that does, that's not comfortable for us because it's harder to understand the mystery of God. And mm -hmm. so I think we're, we're going to all collectively now enter in <laughs> in, into into our discussion about the book. And I'm going to ask about first your story with chronic pain, which of mm -hmm. course inspired the book. So I'll let you go mm -hmm. from there. I started having ankle pain when I was, um, it was about a decade ago in my early 20s. I was just out of college and I had lived a pretty normal life as far as like being a healthy person, able-bodied person. So I assumed that was how I was going to live the rest of my life. And um, I I went to Wheaton College, which is in the Chicagoland area. And it's a liberal arts Christian college. I, I graduated just thinking I was going to be doing all these like amazing things, traveling, um, you know, doing missions in other countries. I don't know, backpacking around the world, um, just changing the world. And then I ended up a year after um, I graduated from college, having this pain in my ankle that spread through um, my knee and my hip and my back um, on my left side and ended up um, after a few weeks and months where I went to different doctors and tried different treatments, I ended up calling it chronic pain. Um, I never really got a, um, like a, a diagnosis that stuck, um, but for about, um, two or three years there, I, I couldn't walk for more than a couple blocks. Um, I, I was in crutches sometimes, sometimes I was in a walking boot. Um, that, that whole experience um, really forced me to um, just look at my relationship with God and my relationship with my body in a new way. I think I expected that um, I would hear like an answer from God, like, I was so desperate for healing and I really, what I meant by healing was I meant that I wanted the pain to go away and I wanted to go back to what I thought of as normal. And I, I didn't get that. And so I really had to um, kind of like ask, you know, reapproach God and say like, what, like, what are you, what can you, what can I like learn from this? But also like, what are you calling me to be and who are you going to be for me in this situation um, where I I can't ex assume that my body is always going to be healthy and I don't think that's a promise that God gives to us um, even though I think um, you know there's a lot of um, kind of prosperity gospel messages out there that will um, preach that to you that um, you, know, you just pray and if you have enough faith that God will Kind of answer you, but I think we just have a lot of ideas of what healing is and what wholeness is that don't necessarily um, come from the Bible, but come more from from our society, right? And so, I thought of normal as being like able-bodied and just being able to do everything I wanted to do because that's kind of what I see as a, like a message in society. But um, you know, if, as I learned through walking through this this whole experience with my body, like there's people who are born, born with disabilities. And honestly, like um, if we go back to the race conversation, like normal also often means being white and middle-class and um, you know, of a certain kind of like lifestyle and culture. So 
I, in a lot of ways, um, none of us really can fit that definition. And even the definition of healthy, like we go back and forth throughout our lives, right? We're not always healthy. We, we, we have illnesses and um, we get old and we age and our bodies fall apart. Um, and we don't expect that God's going to keep us like in the body of a 20 year old when we're 80. But I think that's kind of the message that we get from societies that we're always going to be at this certain like high level of functioning. And if we're not, then somehow we failed and we've um, like kind of missed the mark for what God has for us. Um, and that and maybe that's our fault because we're not, um, you know, we're not like in touch with God enough or whatever. Wow. Um, you know, you just saying that I feel like there's a lot of people out there right now who are probably listening to you who are in pain or they're going through some things in their life right now where God is not showing up the way they think that God's mm -hmm. supposed to show up. I mean, let's just yeah. be honest. I mean, mm -hmm. I being in ministry, I'm sure Hank's the same way. I, I, one of the number one things I get all the time is I have prayed, I have believed, I have fasted. I have they they feel like it's some checklist we're supposed to go down and put the yeah. genie in the bottle, rub it right, and boom, there comes your answer. Mm -hmm. And that's not out always how God. What I'd love to know is like, what has this done to your faith? Mm -hmm. You know how how has your faith grown? How, what did you have to do to dive in to not lose hope in God? in the midst mm -hmm. of the pain, because I, yeah. I, that's where people are right now is how do I not lose hope? I, I had a lot of those moments where I felt like I was hanging on by a thread, right? With my faith. Um, like you said, the check boxes, like I've done all the things that I've supposed to do as a, as a good Christian. So what, what are you up to God? Like, why aren't you answering? Or even like, um, you know, I, I, before I had pain, I I had this really deep sense of God's presence um, with me that I I felt like I could kind of connect with God um, and and I could have peace. But honestly, some of that left me in um, in my time of I, I mean, there's chronic pain, but that also led to depression and anxiety. And uh, there, honestly, there was a lot of shame wrapped up in that um, of, of my response, like, oh, why why am I so like upset about this, like. Mm -hmm. Why does this matter so much to me? I know God's in control. Yeah. So um, I really like, why am I such a bad Christian for getting depressed? Mm -hmm. um, and I think what really helped me, number one, was just having people around me that were able to be God's hands and feet and God's body, Christ's mm -hmm. body. Um, and, you know, I couldn't feel God's presence, but I could feel the hugs of another person. And having that physical presence and people that listened and again, just said like, you matter to us, like that communicated God's love for me in a way that I couldn't feel like spiritually because I was just in this spiritually dry spot. And then um, some of the people that I, uh, you know, I prayed with, they also turned my attention to this long Christian legacy of um, it's called the dark night of the soul. If you look at some of the, you know, the teachings of um, spiritual mm -hmm. fathers, Christian, um, you know, mystics in the church of, of God's absence, it's like a, it's a normal thing. And I think that having my experiences of, of like that clinging to God, but just being so spent and really feeling like I just had nothing, you know, I had nothing to give to God and I had nothing left to seek God out with. 
And knowing that that was actually um, like a legitimate experience, um, that this was like part of the spiritual journey as a Christian, that really helped me to persevere um, and know that it, this isn't going to last forever, even though it does feel like in the moment mm. that it's going to last forever. Um, but also um, one of the, the visions or the kind of the images that I, I received as I was I was praying with this woman, Barbara, who is just so helpful um, in in being that, um, like being with presence with me. She, um, you know, I was telling her like, I'm hanging on by a thread and I, I just feel like any at any minute, the thread is gonna snap. Like my faith is just gonna, it's gonna be gone, you know? And um, what she said was, you know, it's, a, it's okay to let go. Like, it's not mm -hmm. you clinging to God. Like when you let go and you fall, God is the one that's at the bottom. Like God is the one that's catching you. So our faith, I don't think it's something that we have to like white knuckle and be like, I'm going to power through and pray harder and fast more. And that's going to be what's going to get me through. I think when we are able to like, just be honest about our weakness and our own vulnerability and we realize that God's been there all along, that God's there in ways that we can't see and we have, haven't been aware of, that God's like the ground beneath our feet, not like this thing that we have to like reach up and climb a mountain to the top to get, but, but that God is supporting us this whole time. Hmm. One of the things I've been reading about and learning about, because um, I know in the book you talk about the disconnect between body and spirit. I think a lot of times in our Christianity, we just we just do a really good job of keeping that disconnected. You know, like mm -hmm. your spirit goes to heaven. You know, you just suffer through the body. Um, one group that I think is kind of like against the rest of American Christianity is actually um, enslaved Africans. And so mm -hmm. one of the things that's really, really interesting is that, you know, they would sing these songs. Um, and so people listening to it would just be like, oh, they could sing so well, you know, mm. or, or when they looked a little bit deeper, they'd be like, wait, what are they singing? Are they singing escape songs? Right. But then mm. when you look a little bit deeper, you realize that it was um, all of this. It was good singing, escape songs, but there are also this unity of body and soul, you know, because they really believe that it wasn't just, you know, go down Moses into you know, Pharaoh's land and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Um, that was actually a, a key to Harriet Tubman, who was called Moses, because they mm. literally needed her to go down, you know, and rescue them. Or, and you see it in a bunch of these yeah. spirituals, right? Follow the mm -hmm. drinking gourd. Um, when they talk about Canaan and the promised land, it wasn't just, you know, going to heaven. It was also this idea of finding or, or at least experiencing God's healing today. Um, so I think a lot of times that's really, really hard for us because we've done all the work of disconnecting body and spirit. So mm -hmm. what are some of your revelations? Um, and even a little bit deeper into that is like, why is it important for us to keep that united? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that you um, mentioned that history because there is that um, mm -hmm. that whole like aspect of of some of our Christianity that's all about the, you know, the sweet by and by, and we'll get, we'll get God's healing. Um, and we'll get like all these things that we've been promised, um, when we go to heaven, um, in the afterlife and like what that, all those, those spirituals that you mentioned speak so powerfully to that God's power and God's work is, is for right now too. Like Jesus said, the kingdom of God is among you. 
Um, what does that mean, though, when when we're not getting um, the healing that we have been praying for? I can't really give you like a one sentence like tagline for that because it's just um, like I said, it's a mystery, and um, I think it works out in different people's lives and in different ways. Some people do experience amazing bodily healing, and I don't want to discount that possibility at all. But but some people will go through a whole life with chronic illness and. But at the same time, that illness will open up if they're open to God's work in them during that time. That'll open them them up to emotional healing and just being able to see God in this whole new way. Or it'll open up this whole um, avenue of ministry that they that came out of the, their own time of suffering. That leads to this kind of wholeness of just being able to be be who you are and bring your story to the table. So, yeah, I I don't know if I have like a a one-liner for that, but it's just, yeah, that God is you know, at work in all those situations. <laughs> I'm glad you bring that up because I feel like we sort of live in a time for the past decade where being a Christian, you get saved because you're told everything's going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Life's just going to be exactly the way you thought God's going to give you prosperity. Your body's going to be healed. You're going to, and all of a sudden, reality hits and you're still sick. You still have problems. And the truth is you still have disappointment with God. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, that's what I'm sort of hearing you talk about it. And, and it's ringing. I, I'm, I'm glad you're talking about that because I feel like there's so many people right now who are dealing with this disappointment in God. And I love, I always come back to the story in the Bible with Mary you know, you got Mary and Martha. One's running out to greet Jesus. Oh, yes, Jesus is mm-hmm. here. And they're having to run back in and say, Mary, Jesus wants to see you. She doesn't get up. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes you probably felt, and there's probably a lot of people that felt like Mary, that they don't want to get out and run to Jesus. They're disappointed. He didn't show up the way he said he was going to. It wasn't in their timing. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is, mm-hmm. is God did have a plan and it was trusting his sovereignty that what we think is meant for bad, God really will turn for good. And so I think what I'm glad you brought up about that, but now I would love to take it into is how did you encourage yourself in the Lord? Because that's where we're all at. We've all mm-hmm. felt the disappointment. It's all happened that life hasn't turned out exactly how we think it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Do I get discouraged, depressed, angry, bitter? Or do mm-hmm. I find my faith rooted in and go, God, no matter what, I'm trusting you. How? Because obviously you've got to the other side. How did you find to move from there to decide and find that encouragement? What was the grit? Because somebody's mm-hmm. watching, they, they need the grit. I think there's a lot of people um, trying to figure out the why question, like wanting to know. And I, I totally agree with you, Carolyn, like God's sovereignty is behind everything. And I think that we try to know what that is, um, like that plan and purposes. And often all we get is the next step. Um, we don't see 10 steps ahead. So I think it's it's kind of unhelpful sometimes to, to try to get that, that like, um, what's God doing exactly in my situation? Um, and I found that the more helpful questions for me to ask were, the how question, um, like, 
how is God meeting me like right now? So like just having the eyes to see and, and, you know, the story that you mentioned right at the beginning of the widow and her oil is that like, look around you question, like, what do you have left? Um, what is good in your life right now? Um, how is God um, loving you and caring for you? And yeah, how is your life meaningful? Like, how is God giving you purpose? And so I think that was, those are the kinds of questions that helped me to kind of reorient my perspective. And then the question also is um, not, what am I doing because there are so many things that I couldn't do because of my chronic illness. And so I felt like, I don't know, like I didn't know how I was going to go about the rest of my life if I couldn't walk. <laughs> like it was, um, it was really, uh, I just didn't have a good imagination for what that could look like. And I think nowadays I've, I've had read more stories of people with disabilities who live very full lives, um, very meaningful and purposeful lives and Christ-filled lives and mission-driven lives. So um, I don't think, I think that I've, I have less of that, but back at the beginning, that was a big question is like, what am I going to do? You know? And I think mm -hmm. I started to ask more of the question, like, who, who am I becoming? Like, what is, how is my character being shaped by this? What is, how is my heart responding to this. Um, and I, in the, the book, I share a quote by um, Parker Palmer, who is an educator and a Quaker teacher who um, talks about the seed. Um, and, um, you know, like br brokenness, you can be broken and shattered, like a vase is shattered into a million pieces, or you can be like a seed. And when a seed is broken, it's broken open mm. so that new new life can come out of that. And that's the, um, you know, that's the metaphor that Jesus gives us with, um, you know, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, there will be no fruit. Um, but yes, you have to get past the death and the suffering <laughs> to get to the resurrection. Um, and that's really hard. And and when it's when it's this indeterminate long-term thing, which is what chronic illness feels like, this like kind of ongoing suffering, it's hard and I'm not mm -hmm. gonna, I'm not gonna say it's like, it's like a, you know, a, a overnight thing to be able to um, sure. get to the point where you can see the new life coming through. Um, yeah. Probably day by day. I bet it's yeah. day by day. Absolutely. Hey, I know what you said. Yeah, the next step, the next mm -hmm. step, yeah. you know, that you learn, you got, just get to the next step. Yeah. I wanted to, to ask one more question of, of that you talked about in the book was, the idea of looking at the creation in a different lens and mm -hmm. how that sort of helped you frame your response and give some peace to how you were looking at your own illness. So I'll let you take mm -hmm. it from there. Um, I think because we have this um, narrative of creation and the fall as um, pain and disease being connected to sin, then um, like we, when we have that happen in our own body, then we kind of feel like it's the result of sin, even if it's not our own sin. Like it's the result of this, this you know, cosmic sin that happened with Adam and Eve. So then, um, because we have that interpretation, like we want to go back, right? We want to go back to what it was like in Eden, which is when we were, a, a, we assumed that we were pain free and that our bodies were maybe like immortal or like we weren't prone to to pain at all. But um, I guess like 
just in doing my own reading in science and theology, I, I started to like read that story in a different way that maybe what was happening when Adam and Eve ate the fruit wasn't that um, there was like this um, biological change in our bodies. Like maybe, maybe that's like the, the vulnerability we have to pain and disease has always been there. But what, um, what happened in um, the fall is that we became aware mm -hmm. of our vulnerability and that really scares us, right? Obviously, like when we're when we're faced with the potential that we're going to die and that we're going to get all these um, really crazy illnesses and diseases, like it's it's really scary. So we want to cover that up. I just wonder if um, if the way that we have read creation makes it so that we kind of are always like looking at our bodies, like oh, there's something bad about our bodies, and that we have to like try to like fix that bad thing about our bodies. And, and maybe like, maybe like we can just be okay with the fact that our bodies get sick and our bodies are going to die without um, just always needing to like fix that aspect of our humanity. Um, mm. and, and just, you know, like make that like, this is, this is normal human life. Um, and I'm not bad or I'm not like, there's no sin going on for me to, be experiencing illness or or pain or all of those things that are just part of what it means to live in a, a human body. Yeah, well, what I liked about it was it, it, the interpretation was it doesn't negate for me what original sin was, but what was what was the result of original sin? Mm -hmm. Was it was it wasn't that our bodies became, you know, this negative thing? It was mm -hmm. I like that we became aware. And mm -hmm. got essentially filled with fear, which we talk about how we have no spirit of fear in, mm -hmm. in Christ Jesus. But when we sinned, we yeah. all of a sudden were filled with fear. I mean, that sort of makes yeah. a lot of mm -hmm. sense to me in that yeah. the when that sin happened, we became aware of all of how dangerous this life could be. That totally mm -hmm. makes that totally resonated and made sense with me. Um, mm -hmm. because I, I just puts it puts the fulfillment of Jesus in a great context too, because he came yeah. to release you from that fear and give mm -hmm. you an eternal life. And what is he, and what I was thinking about this as you were talking, what does he say? He says, you're supposed to be like a child. And what do we say children have? Innocence, they don't know what they're fearing. They don't mm -hmm. know. And so I yeah. think that idea mm -hmm. of what Eden was where you don't know what you have to fear mm -hmm. it, it, instead of, you know, focused on body as I think could be, could be a really beautiful reading of the creation story. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad she brings that up about sickness though. I think that is so sad when people make people feel guilty, like it's some, it's some kind of sin or some kind of, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not, I mean, I know there's times in the Bible that people's sickness did come up on them because I'm not saying that, but I mean, you had Paul that he prayed how many times for his affliction to be taken from him. And God said, what? He said, no. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. I mean, what do you do with that scripture? It sounds like to me, you do a lot of surrendering to God. You mm -hmm. surrender your emotions. You surrender your trust. You surrender mm -hmm. your hope. And, and it, to me, it's that moment by moment. And mm -hmm. honestly, I'm not sure that that isn't where God maybe wants us all to live. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know. I've had three children 
um, all together. So I have three little boys. And honestly, that moment to moment thing that you mentioned, Carolyn, I feel like that's just like the life of a parent with young children is you have to stop and take a breath and say, okay, like, be with me, God, like, yeah. I need you right now to help me to be a parent to love these children. Um, and I think it's every, yeah, like you said, it's every person's life. Um, I love that, uh, that, that image that you gave Joseph of being childlike, of, of surrendering, of not knowing. And I think like my children model that for me so well, um, especially in my second child, he is just like living in the moment all the time. Like he has no idea what tomorrow's going to bring, but he's like so up for anything, you know, and I love that about him. And I contrast that with myself because I'm so like, what am I going to do next? And what's, you know, all the stuff that Jesus told us not to do, right? Like, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? <laughs> what am I going to do, you know, tomorrow and a week from now? And how I'm going to pay the bills, all those things. So I think that is a, um, a call for all of us to be able to um, be present to God in the moment, to what he's doing in the moment. I think it's very interesting that we're also in the season of Lent, um, which for some of us who maybe don't um, have chronic illness, it's really this sense of um, deep reflection, um, self-denial, repentance, reconciliation, but just diving in deeper, whether you're Paul or Job um, or, yeah, tons of people who show up in scripture. There's always is that dark night of the soul. Um, but I guess my question is, how in your experience has the church, um, other believers, responded well to those with chronic illness? Um, how can we meet the pain of people um, who are struggling with chronic illness and, and be more like Jesus? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you mentioned Job, who is like this like prime example of suffering that doesn't have good answers, at least not on a human scale, maybe on a, on a God scale. But, um, you know, he had his friends, which are a really interesting example of how not to respond to people who have chronic illnesses um, and suffering, which is, you know, they were, I think they, they did a good job until they opened their mouths and started talking. Um, they, well, they came to him, which I think was, was a great first step is just, we see your pain. We want to be with you. Um, and they sat in silence with him for a while, which I think is what a lot of people who are wrestling with God and with pain and suffering need is, is those people who would just be there with them in the dark spots without needing to um, give advice or try to fix things. I think that's a really common tendency um, because we get really uncomfortable with when people are suffering, we really want to make it better. And I think that's a really legitimate, um, really legitimate response or a leg legitimate concern, um, desire that we want to help people um, so we often do that by um, coming up with these solutions or asking, like, have you tried this or that? Or I remember um, going up to um, someone in church, um, a church that we were visiting and asking for prayer regarding my pain. And then um, the, the woman listened to my story and then she asked me, um, are you harboring any unforgiveness in your heart? And I think for some people that can be like a helpful question. Um, like just to explore the ways that, you know, our emotional healing is connected to our physical healing and the way the things that we hold, you know, from the past and the trauma that we have from the past can affect our physical health. But for me, I think um, 
that that instance where um, it felt like that instance felt like she was kind of judging me, like or saying like you you know you you haven't done all the things you need to do before you get your healing. Like you have to like you know go back and like uh, do all these things to fix your heart before God will give you physical healing. So I think there's a lot of that that can happen in the church again, where we just want to like come up with God's purpose for yeah. what what's going on before we know it. Um, and I think it's important um, to to be honest and say, like, we don't know sometimes, but we'll just be with you. Um, so I think listening is probably the, the biggest thing I would say, listening without an agenda um, that the church can do um, to walk alongside people with chronic illness. Um, but then I think a, um, a second thing is, um, I think we've often put people with chronic illness or disabilities at the margins of the church and felt like they're the people that we need to minister to, um, that because there's something about them that we feel like is is broken, that maybe they don't belong up on stage, um, in the pulpit, whatever. So, um, and I, I just love that Jesus says that the kingdom of God belongs to like the least of these, like the children and, you know, the blessed are the poor and the meek and those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness and those who've been persecuted. Those are the people that will see God um, and are blessed by God. So um, I think the, the way that Jesus centers the people who are hurting and who've been marginalized by society um, who've been told that they're not normal by society, that that is um, like such a beautiful model for us to not just minister to people in pain, but also to say that um, their pain can minister to us. Places where we've been wounded, that's where we can meet other people in their woundedness and offer Christ's healing. I guess my last question is how have you sort of transformed your vulnerability? Uh, or how are you continuing to transform your vulnerability? As we've learned today, it's a process. I used to think that um, maybe I shouldn't be like really attached to people because I just need to be dependent on God. Um, but I don't think that's like exactly what God means when God says like, you know, like put, you know, God wants to be like first, our first love, um, but God uses other people to teach us about him. And I, as I mentioned in the beginning, um, the way that I got through those really dark moments in my own life, um, wrestling with anxiety and depression and pain is through other people. And, and I realized that um, my dependence on other people wasn't a weakness. Like that's how God made us as to um, when we're hurt to reach out to other people and to ask for help and to say, I can't do this on my own. I'm not independent, but I think our society, um, you know, trains us to see independence and um, kind of being able to like pull ourselves up our bootstraps and all of those American, um, you know, stereotypes as like the way to be a good person and to have a successful life. So we have a really hard time with admitting our vulnerability and our weakness. Um, but I think that um, the model that we have with Jesus and and with the church, um, like the early church, is this model of interdependence. Like the the believers shared everything they had, and nobody had any needs. Um, everybody had their needs fulfilled because they were able to um, be be vulnerable and to bring their needs to the table. So. 
I think that we can allow God to transform our vulnerability to a strength because um, like God made us to be a community. And that means um, being able to admit when we failed, but also just when we're, we're at our limits and that that's not because we failed, but just because we're human and that that's okay to, to not be able to do everything that that's not, you know, God gives us the picture of in the first Corinthians of the body of Christ. Not everybody's meant to be a, a hand or a mouth or a foot. Um, and we also treat our weakest members with greater respect and honor. Um, so I think that that's the model that we can have um, for the church. Let's turn to a focus on the fullness of prayer. Prayer can be really challenging when you have a chronic illness and you're in pain. I think some of the things that have helped me the most uh, have been uh, the idea of returning to your breath. Like uh, God gave us our breath and um, God sustains our every breath. One of my um, spiritual fathers used to tell me that you can believe in God's confidence in you and like God's purpose for you because you're still breathing (laughs) because every breath you breathe is um, sustained by God you wouldn't be able to breathe your next breath if it weren't for him and so when I return to my breath when there's when it's so hard for me to do anything else because I'm my body's um, I'm just just incapable of of the kinds of prayers that I might might be doing um and I come back to my breath, I I just start to tune into my breath, um, to realize that God is present in my body when we breathe, when we just do that very simple act. If, if that's the only thing we can do, that can be a form of prayer and gratitude and connection with God. I have to say um, that my heart, as we've continued this show, is really to reach out to those on the margins of mm. that, that as a church, we can be a better community. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad you closed it that way because that is where the tension lies is the, oh, is can we be a better community to those that are not uh, quote unquote, what we consider the normal, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the norm. And, but as you said, that's where Jesus lied. He, the Beatitudes, I was reading the Beatitudes, I was going, oh, there's tension in all this, every Beatitude, this, because yeah. like, this is not what we would think is the, what, blessed are the, you know, bl- you know, the meek in spirit. What do you mean they're, they're meek? Why, why are they, you know, so why will they inherit the earth? They, they're not going after anything, you know, like, so it's this tension, even, even as you mentioned in, in being self-sufficient, but also being okay with being interdependent on each other, you know, like it's this, it's the, I, I think that Jesus really, encompassed is what the word I'm looking, encompassed this tension so beautifully. And so Mm -hmm. uh, I hope that uh, we were able to uh, really show that you can have healing, but you also can have, from the brokenness, have a, a different kind of healing. Like you can have physical healing, you can have emotional healing, and everyone is being part of that body, you know, as you said. In a different mm-hmm. way, God has a mission for you in a different way. And mm-hmm. both can exist. Yeah. Um, and for those that are going through chronic illness, we see you. Yeah. And we love you as fellow members of Christ's body. Uh, so thank you for this conversation, Luann. It was beautiful. And I, I appreciate everyone's perspective. Really, I thought we got to a lot of 
a lot of rich depth based on everyone's uh, input. And again, the book is called Hurting Yet Whole, available online now. And you can connect with Luann through social media and YouTube. We thank you all for watching today. We always thank you. And we hope that we continue to bring your life into fullness. That is the goal of our show every day. And we hope we'll see you next time for another talk on The Full Life.